Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Give a couple praise break, a couple praise reports. Um, a while back, Pastor asked if uh, if if there was anything that we needed prayer for, and you know, to pray for it. Uh, my grandma had been uh, diagnosed with cancer, and when we prayed, we went back and uh, we asked her. You know, we prayed for her and we asked her what happened after she got a checkup, and they, she told us it came back cancer free. So. I'm just thankful for that. God is doing stuff in my family, and, and, and my dad called, and he said that he, this is the first time I've ever heard him say something like this. He said, um, I want to go to your church, and I want to be baptized. And he's never been here, but yet he wants to be here. <laughs> so, Amen. Today, I was tasked with continuing our um, the gifts of the spirit lesson so we're going to go into lesson two and we're going to talk about the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom amen so we're going to go ahead and start in first corinthians 12 and one let's just pray real quick jesus thank you lord for today lord we just ask you for your guidance lord and for your spirit to just be here lord help me jesus to just get out of the way and teach us today lord i pray in jesus name be with us lord we love you in jesus name amen, amen. i will say this topic i was telling pastor this topic kind of stretched me a little bit um i w- hadn't really studied it too in depth but um we're gonna go into it so first, we're going to read out of 1 Corinthians 12. It says, Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto the dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Um, and then... Uh, verse 4 says, Now there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit, and the differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Everybody say, same God. Same and then it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Verse 8 says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. We skip down to verse 11 says, But all these work that one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So, <clears throat> just going to summarize that for you. Paul is basically, this might be a little repetitious from last week, but Paul is basically giving instruction on spiritual gifts to the Corinthian church. The Bible tells us in chapter 14 of that same book, verse 12, that the Corinthian church was very zealous for spiritual gifts. They were all over it. But Paul, in the remaining of uh, of this chapter, in chapter 13 and 14, he gives them insight into the gifts um, and the practices that they should have in place to keep things in order. Amen? Because that's important. So... Just giving you some context, the main things that 
chapter 12 stresses, he, he, he really hits home on both of those things. There's two things, the origin of the, of the gifts and the purpose of the gifts. So verse 4 through 6 says, now there are diversities of gifts, right? So diversities is talking about differences and distinctions. Verse 5 goes into differences of administration. That word simply means ministry, ministration of service, right? So there's different ministries um, that are involved in this. And then there's differences in operation. And, and the best way to explain that for me in simple English was how does it all work? It's, there's differences, right? Um, so here we see the Apostle Paul shows the Corinthian church repeatedly that the origin of these gifts, if you read verse 4, verse 5, and verse 6, it says, but the same Spirit, but the same Lord, but the same God, right? It, it, we need to understand that the gifts, as Pastor said last week, are given strictly by God. They're not learned, they're not resident, nothing like that. God gives it to whom he will, right? So we see that the origin and the, and the giver of these gifts is Jesus Christ himself. And in verse 7, we see that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So not only does Paul give us the origin of the gifts, where it comes from, but he also gives us the purpose of the gifts. Uh, verse 7 like again, it says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. That word in the Greek means to bear or to bring together, to bear with, to carry with, or to help, to be profitable. It's to help the church, right? It's to, to um, be profitable to the church. Not profit as in money, but as in helping us. Right. Amen? Yeah. Verse 14, I'm sorry, chapter 14, verse 12 of 1 Corinthians says, Even so ye, for as much as ye are sellers of spirit, spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. The rest of chapter 12 stresses how God has made the church one body. Yeah. Right? Members one of another. Right. Amen? It doesn't say that, you know, because you have this gift, you're more than somebody else, right? Or because you don't have no gifts, you're lesser. We are still members one of another. There is only one body that we're all baptized in. It says, for by one spirit, verse 13 says, are we all baptized into one body? Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, it doesn't matter. Whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body, verse 14 says, is not one member, but many. Amen? But yet it's still one body. We are one church. Amen? Yeah. We depend on each other. Verse 25 says that there should be no schisms in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Amen? The gifts are not meant to divide us. They're meant to edify us. Amen. If the division, this is uh, uh, something that really hit home. If division is the outcome of the gifts, we must examine our motives and, and possibly even our source. Where is the gift really coming from? If it's dividing, it is not of God. Amen. Because God made it with one purpose to edify the church. Amen. 
So we're going to jump into the first one, um, the word of knowledge. We're going to read from verse uh, 8 of 1 Corinthians 12. Again, it says, For one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. There's, I was looking up, and there's about four instances in which the word of knowledge is, is used. That, that, that phrase is used. Knowledge is used, of course, all throughout the Bible, right? But when we put it together, there's around four places in the Bible where it really gives us that. And, and all of them are in 1 Corinthians. Okay? So uh, if we go to the next chapter, chapter 13, 1 through 3, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become as sounding brass or tinkling, um, tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I remove mountains, I have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to be fed. Um, so basically it's saying without love, it profits nothing. Right? right? Yeah. Verse 8, if we skip down to that, says charity never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Right? It's talking about how love is important. Um, and then 1 Corinthians 14 and 6 says, Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, that I, uh, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or, or by doctrine? So the word knowledge is from the Greek word gnosis. Um, it's kind of like, you know, knowing, knows, knowing. Uh, so knowledge, it, it means general intelligence and understanding. Um, here's a, a few things that I found on it. It's a def definite conviction or impression or knowing that comes to you in a mental picture, dream, thought, vision, or by scripture that is quickened to you. That's a word of knowledge. And pastor helped me with a lot of this, so a lot of this is from him. So <laughs> when I said I found it, I actually mean he found it. Uh, so <laughs> you're welcome. Um, so it is a soup. Did somebody say you're fired? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so here's another thing. It's a supernatural insight or understanding of circumstances, situations, problems, or a body of facts by revelation that is without assistance by any human uh, or resource. But solely, watch this. This is the part that gets me divine. It's something that comes from God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. It, it can be knowledge of future events, of past events, of present, right? Knowledge of scripture and doctrine contained in them and the whole mind and the will of God. Understanding uh, the Bible. For example, a clear view on the plan of salvation and on doctrines and, and the duties as a Christian. It can be basically, when I was researching, it boils down to like two things. It can be the knowledge that deals with people, situations, life, etc. Um, and then the knowledge of the word of God uh, given by God to a Christian. Okay? So that's basically what it boiled down to. I was reading this book that pastor gave me. Um, it's called God's Word for Life. It says, God, uh, this is a quote, God shares... Uh, a quote about the word of knowledge. God shares with a Christian a fact or some knowledge about a person, a circumstance, something that has happened or something that will happen. 
A word of knowledge could be God providing a believer with information about someone's past so that that person can be ministered to in a, in a more effective way. It, it could be a warning about something that you should do or you should not do, right? It's a word of knowledge um, that God gives us to maybe avoid hurt, to avoid harm, or, or to walk in the right way. Amen? So the Bible is full of examples of the word of knowledge. And I think for me personally, um, the word of knowledge is a lot easier for me to understand than the word of wisdom. I, I think it just it gets lost in translation with me. <laughs> when I looked at both of these words, it was hard for me to, to pick on the definition just because I think the language barrier. But we're going to do the best that we can here. So Jesus shows us the ability, uh, this ability over and over again in the gospel. For example, if we go to John 1, 47 through 48. If we go there. Uh, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Verse 48 says, Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Right? Jesus had never met, uh, Nathaniel had never met Jesus. This was the first of ever seeing him, right? And that yet Jesus knows about this time. It says, before Philip called thee, uh, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. See, I looked into this fig tree thing, and the fig tree was a place uh, believed to where the devout Jews would go to spend uh, alone time with God, kind of like our prayer closet, right? It was a, a place where they spent time with God. It was a, a place of, I guess, just personal relationship with God. A lot of the stuff that happened there, it was between God and them. It was like when we go into our prayer room and we close the door, right? And it's between God and ourselves. And, and Jesus, the first thing that he says to Nathaniel upon seeing him, he says, hey, you, you, you're a true Israelite in whom is no guile, right? And Nathaniel's like, who are you, right? And Jesus sees his, the, the, basically the inner man, him, where he had been, his prayer. He tells them the deep things that only him and God were supposed to know, okay? So Jesus told Nathaniel something that only Nathaniel and God should have known, he had knowledge of that time that he spent with God. And, and we see the response Nathaniel gives to Jesus is, you are the son of God. Right? He, he, he immediately recognizes that he's the Christ because he says, You're, nobody's supposed to know that. So the other thing is the woman of the well. Uh, John 4, if we go to John 4, um, we all know the story. For the most part, <clears throat> this woman goes to the well and, and Jesus sits down there and, and basically he is waiting for his disciples to come back. He's weird with his journey, the Bible says. And he has a conversation with the woman and the woman kind of goes back and forth talking about worship and talking about uh, Jerusalem and, and religion and everything. And Jesus finally says in verse 16 to her, it says, uh, go call thy husband and come hither. Right, verse 17, the woman answers and says, I have no husband. Jesus says unto her, you have well said, I have no husband. Verse 18, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband. 
in that saidest thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Amen? That, that last verse always kind of makes me laugh. Because <laughs> I guess in my mind it works like, you know, like, hey, gee, I think you're a prophet. <laughs> yeah, really? Don't you know? So Jesus knew this information about this woman, not knowing, you know, she didn't know who Jesus was, had never met Jesus, right? Didn't know he was Christ, didn't know he, he was Messiah. And um, Jesus talks to her and tells her this, and then she answers, and then not, the, the, the woman says, come and see a man who has told me all, right, that I ever did in my life. It's an example of Jesus knowing information, having this knowledge supernaturally. And all these examples, I get it. It's Jesus. He's God, right? So, so maybe you're saying, well, why don't you show us somebody who's not God who has this type of stuff or example, examples this. Um, Simon Peter's confession in, in Matthew 16 if we go to uh, verse 15 and 17, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, but whom say ye that I am? Right? Verse 16 says, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He answers that he's the Christ. And Jesus says unto him, blessed are thou, Simon Bar Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed thee this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. So if you know that, he knows who Jesus is. He has knowledge of the identity of Jesus, not because somebody taught it to him, not because he learned it, but because God taught him that. That's, that's what I'm talking about when we're talking about the word of knowledge. It's something that God gives supernaturally. And he gave the revelation to Peter of who Jesus was. God provided this knowledge to Peter, not man, not teaching, but God himself. A very classic example of this is once, you know, the day of Pentecost happens and the church begins to grow in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 5, we see the story of Ananias and Sapphira. I guess I'm going to read it for you, but certain men named, a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Right, And he kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep part, uh, part of the price back? Right, um, And whilst it remained, was it not in thine own hand? So basically, he brings it to the apostles and he lies to them that he's bringing the whole price. But that is not the case, right? So it remained, Peter says, whilst it remained, was it not in thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own, in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast lied unto men, thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them. I heard these things. Verse 6, and the young men arose, and we know, the, we know the, the story. They take him out, and they bury him out. But then, uh, about the space of three hours, his wife comes, the fire comes, and, and not knowing what had happened. And Peter says to her, tell me whether you have sold the land for so much. And see, again, uh, this, this man's wife, Sapphira, lies to Peter and says, yeah, that's, that's what we got. But that wasn't true. 
How did Peter know that? If it was just between Ananias and Sapphira. God gave him that understanding, right? God gave him that knowledge. Um, so that, that is a, that, that's a situation in which God gave supernatural knowledge to a man, Peter. Amen? It's pretty scary, right? <laughs> I mean, the other two, didn't, it didn't end very well for the other two. The prophets in the Old Testament exercised this gift as well. Nathan and David, when David um, sinned and committed adultery and he had, uh, you know, he, he took Bathsheba, right, um, and killed off her, her husband. They were going to have a kid and whatnot. And, and then Nathan comes and tells them a parable and tells them all that he did. And the Bible actually says that David thought that, you know, that he had covered it up, <laughs> but it did, he didn't. He didn't because God knows and God sends the man of God, gives him a word of knowledge and says, hey, you sinned. This is what you did. That man is you. And, and see, even then, that gift is used to edify and to bring back David right. to recon be reconciled with God. See, it's not meant to destroy him. When we use that gift, it's not to destroy people, but it's to help our brother or help our sister. Samuel and Saul, you know the story of when, when Samuel tells Saul to go and kill all the Am Amalekites, and he goes and he slaughters most everything, but he keeps the good, the good um, sheep and all the good animals, and, and he leaves the king alive, right? And the servants and whatnot. And, and Samuel gets told by God that Saul was not walking in God's will anymore, before he even goes and meets Saul. So basically God tells on Saul. And Samuel, the Bible says he begins to weep. Because God says, I don't want him anymore. Because he has disobeyed me. Right? So see, there's the word of knowledge. He hasn't even seen Saul, the king. He hasn't even gotten to the place where he's at. And God had already told him. And you know the story, what happens afterwards. You know, he gets to the place where, where Saul is, and he says, I've obeyed everything, and, and, you know, going on that word of knowledge, he says, no, you have not. What, what is it that I hear? You know? Um, the last example that I will use is Elisha and Gehazi. In 2 Kings 5, uh, 25 to 27, uh, it says this, but he went in, and stood before his master. So let me give you a little context. Elisha um, just got done telling a leper how, how he could be healed, right? The leper was from Syria. He wasn't a person from Israel. Um, so, but God uses Elisha to, to heal this man. And Elisha has this servant called Gehazi. And when the Naaman, the leper, is cleansed, he wants to give gifts Right? He says, hey, you've done this for me. Here, have this. And, and Elisha's like, no, 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 thank you. Go away. We don't, we don't want anything. But Gehazi doesn't think that way. So he sneaks out and he goes and he lies to Naaman, the Syrian. And he um, basically says, hey, we, we do need this. Can, can we have this? And he keeps it for himself. He hides it. And he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, whence comest thou, Gehazi? And watch this. He says, Thy servant went not up uh, no, no whither. 
What that means in English is I didn't go anywhere. Okay? So, so that's what he says. And verse 26 says, uh, he says, this is the part that kind of creeps me out. Okay? So I can just picture Elisha sitting in his rocking chair. Right? And he asked the guy who just snuck in behind him, hey, where are you at? He's like, I didn't go nowhere. And then he says this, went not mine heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee. It is a time to receive money, uh, to receive garment and olive yards and vineyards and uh, sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants. And now this, the leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And when he went out from the presence as a leper, white as snow. Now, if that's not creepy, I don't know what is. I don't want to mess with Elisha. I don't want pastor to ever say that to me. <laughs> don't lie to pastor. He'll know. God knows. <laughs> Maybe he might not know, but God will. <laughs> so I had, I mean, I've been doing youth ministry. I'm going to give you some personal examples of it. I've been doing youth ministry for a while. And uh, these are all stories from just years past. I'm not going to say any names or anything like that, but I remember one time being at Camp Galilee with a new convert, a new person that had come to, to the youth group. One of my youth group kids had brought him, and he was probably 13, 13 yeah, 13, around there. And I remember everything is new to him, right? I mean, you, you go to Camp Galilee, and there's people, like, screaming, shouting, spitting, and every, rolling and everything. So you're all... As a new convert, I remember that as a 14-year-old, you know, I just stood there in shock. <laughs> These people are nuts. That's what I, that's what I wanted to say. Well, this, this guy was the same as me, you know, and he's 13 years old, scared, but he really is hungry. He wanted to come to camp because he, not, he had already been baptized, and he said, now I want to go because I want the Holy Ghost. And I remember praying with him the first, the first night. Um, he, didn't really, he didn't really get anywhere. The second night, he didn't really get anywhere. It got to about the third night, uh, Wednesday night. And I remember I was starting to get like, okay, this dude's going to get it tonight. You know, and I, I'm going headed straight to him. Because I know he's praying, but he's not getting anywhere. And I'm, and I'm coming to him, and he's like, you're going to get it out of self-defense if, <laughs> if you don't start doing something. And I remember really praying for him, and, and we weren't getting anywhere. And then it was like God said to my heart, he's scared. Pray against fear. He said, he, it was just he's scared. And it was clear as day. And, and I remember like, oh, scared of what? You know, <laughs> we're in church. See, we're so used to it. And I thought maybe he's scared of all his surroundings, right, of everything that's going on. Well, I come to find out a couple weeks later that he was scared because a little boy at Camp Galilee had threatened him. And the whole week, he cried himself to sleep because he was scared. And because I didn't sleep in the dorms, he didn't tell me this. So I couldn't have done anything. I couldn't do anything. And I remember clear, just clearly that the Lord said, pray, pray against fear. He's scared. So as soon as I did that, and I put my hand on his, on, on his head, instantly he received the Holy Ghost. As soon as we begin to pray against fear. See, there's a word of knowledge, and then he told me what to do. The word of wisdom, right? 
So we did it, and he got the Holy Ghost. Amen. So I, th- I thought that was pretty neat. I was like, well, that's never happened before. That's kind of cool. Um, the second thing, uh, a second example that I have, I had, I had a dream, and all the young people from the youth group are probably going to get scared. Um, I, usually don't, <laughs> I usually don't have too many dreams, but I remember this is in a group in Owatonna. Um, this certain kid was in a, you know, like in a relationship that he wasn't telling anybody about. Didn't tell his youth pastor, didn't tell anybody. And he knew he wasn't supposed to be in something like that. Didn't tell his pastor. And uh, I remember having a dream and clearly seeing this girl next to him, blonde hair, tall, like I could describe her to a T. And I knew there was a thing going on between them in the dream. And I, you know, I called them over and say, hey, like, she don't love Jesus. You can't do this. You're going to hurt yourself. And I remember really helping him and, and, and weeping with him and praying with him and said, you know, we can bring her to church. We can love on her and everything. But this is not wise in the dream. Well, I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's probably just a dream. But I have this feeling that says, you know, pray about it. Pray about it. And I talk to the pastor and he says, well, if, if you're really feeling strong about it, why don't you just tell him? Well, I remember um, I came, I think it was, I came to the church from work and, and he happened to be there. And I said, hey, do you want to just come into the office and maybe let's just chat for a little bit? And I, and I told him the dream and his eyes were huge. <laughs> they were, kid you not, it looked like deer in the headlights eyes. And he said to me, how did you know? <laughs> I said, I didn't. Jesus told on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... And he's like, you even know her hair color and what she looks like. I said, I sure do. Uh, I said, so you can't hide it. So that was my personal experience in youth ministry um, with, with that gift. It, I thought it was, to me, it was, it was amazing that God would let me help someone. I didn't do it in front of people. I didn't go and tell him off. I didn't, you know embarrass him I felt so much love when when I had this information and I felt like it was God who was giving it to me and I got to be a part of bringing that kid back to church that's beautiful I remember another kid I I had I was praying and I felt like the Lord said uh, pray for this kid and I was like okay Sounds good. I prayed for him for a while, and I, I was like, okay, I'm going to move on to the other kids because they need prayer too. And God was like, no, keep going, you know. And I had to keep going back to this kid, and God said, they're struggling with this. They're saying this to themselves, and they feel like this. Clearest day. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, <laughs> this is just me. This is just me. And, and the whole morning, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it off. And I remember just finally saying, okay, what do I do? I don't want to, like, tell them all of this stuff because it's pretty serious stuff. And then what if I'm wrong? And see, I, I've had to learn to take a step of faith. Right. And I said to them, I actually, I took them out. And I said, hey, want to go on a walk? Want to go grab a burger or something? And uh, kind of eased them into it, thought it was something else. And then I said, God says you feel like he doesn't love you. God says you're struggling with this, and you feel alone. And God wants you to know this, this, and that. And he broke down. I've never seen him cry like that. 
And he said, Christian, you don't understand. All of those things I said to God last night. And see, it wasn't me. It wasn't because I'm spiritual. It was because God wanted to help someone. And I think that that's so amazing to be part of. The next, gift, the next gift is the word of wisdom, and we'll just jump into it. The word of wisdom in Greek is, is the, the word is Sophia. That one girl sitting up in the front. <laughs> so it means wisdom. <clears throat> it means broad and full of intelligence, used of the knowledge of very diverse matters. Supreme intelligence such as belongs to God. Sophia's over here like, he preaching about me. <laughs> I better not say that. First no. Corinthians 2 and 6 says this. I learned from pastor some notes that he sent me that there's three types of wisdom. I didn't even know that there was such a thing. But I read it in 1 Corinthians 2 and 6. It says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Right? In other words, that, that perishes, that ends. How, uh, it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God has ordained before the world unto our glory. See, there's three types of wisdom that we, we get from these, these, these two verses. First one is the wisdom of God. The highest wisdom, right? Best, purest wisdom. That's the one we want. Then there's wisdom of the world and wisdom of man. See, those are good to have, but they are limited. Right? They will only get you so far. The gift of wisdom is the application of knowledge, that, of knowledge God gives you. So basically, it, they, work, they can work together. Wisdom is using the knowledge that God gave you for the correct purpose. It's instruction on how to use that knowledge that God gave you. The type of wisdom, can, uh, this type of wisdom cannot be gained through the study or through, through studying or through experience. Amen? Again, it can only be from God. You notice the pattern? The gifts all come from the Spirit. Amen? Only He can give it. Wisdom that is of God, it can, it can only come from Him. It's a supernatural perspective to ascertain the divine means of accomplishing God's will in a situation. I summarized it like this. It's divine counsel in problem solving. It's divine counsel in dealing with a situation. It's leading, the Holy Ghost leading us to deal with, with a certain situation in a certain way. Amen? Yeah. It's receiving divine direction and being led by the Spirit to do the right thing and to apply knowledge correctly. Yeah. It's different from the word of knowledge in that it builds on the word of knowledge. It's not just what it is, but is what to do with that, it, whatever that thing is that we learned. Right? So it's not just knowledge. It's knowing what to do with it. That's the word of wisdom. So the word um, of knowledge is the supernatural understanding. But the word of wisdom is the supernatural knowing what to do with that knowledge. 
This is a quote from a book. It says, while the word of knowledge is informational, the word of wisdom is directional. It goes beyond giving facts to giving insight on how to proceed in a particular situation. It's an understanding of the will, the plan, and the purpose of God in that matter. With a word of wisdom, a person is directed to the appropriate steps to take or to not take. Okay? So uh, one of my, the examples that I can show you, uh, Acts 15 and 28, um, it's... It says this, For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. So this is talking about the first Jerusalem council, right? This is, we could call it, I guess, the first general conference uh, of the church. They're getting together because now we don't only have Jewish people in the church, but we also have Gentiles that are joining the church, right? And then there's these Gentiles that are telling the, I'm sorry, these Jews that are telling the Gentiles that they have to keep the law of Moses or certain things of the, of the law of Moses, but that, that's not the way that it should be. So Paul comes to Jerusalem and he talks to, um, to, the, to the elders of the church, to the apostles, and they all, you know, talk about it and, and talk about scripture and, and, and kind of pray about it and everything. And, and they finally come to this consensus that they feel like the Holy Ghost is leading them to not have them keep the law of Moses, right? But except for a few things that they give, and you can read the whole chapter. It, they just say that it seemeth good to the Holy Ghost. See, there's a problem in the church that they needed to deal with. And as the elders of the church and the leadership of the church, they get together and not only know about the problem, but now God is leading them to resolve the problem. Okay, so God gives them wisdom to be able to to uh, give instruction to the churches. Amen. Uh, the next example that we see is in First Kings three and twenty four. We all know the story of of um, Solomon, and in First Kings here, let me just get it for you. Three. Um, Solomon is starting his reign, and basically he has, if you read chapter 3, that's when he goes to, uh, to sacrifice, and, and he has gods for wisdom, right? And he begins to be the king, and he says, uh, he, he finds the situation, he finds himself in a situation where there's these two women who have, both, both of them have babies, and one of the babies died. Do you remember this story? And the other one has the baby that's alive, but now they both want it. Right? One is lying, one is not. So the king stands up and he says, bring me a sword. Yeah. Right? Verse 24. And, and they brought him a sword. And, it said, and he, the king said, divide the living child into two. Uh, Sister Nino was like, holy. Like, Dios santo. <laughs> and he says this, give half to one and give half to the other. Right? Verse 26 says then he speaks then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king for her bowels yearned upon her son she felt compassion he says oh my lord give the living child um give her the living child and oh why slay it see god gives him wisdom to understand the situation and how to resolve it Right? He doesn't just give him knowledge of the problem, but he tells them, okay, this is how you're going to find out who is who. Yeah. Right? 
So 2 Kings 5 and 10, again, we go to Naaman and Elisha. Um, we, we know the problem is that Naaman, the Syrian, has leprosy, right? He doesn't, Elisha doesn't get that from a word of knowledge. The king just tells him, right? <laughs> hey, he's a leper and they want me to heal him and I can't do anything about it. So I rip my clothes and you can read the story. And uh, Elisha finds out. All of the details. And, and he says, well, well, just tell them to come see me. And they'll see that there's a prophet in Israel, right? And then he, he tells them, yeah, when he gets to the house, he, says, he doesn't even go out to meet him. He says, just go out to the Jordan River and wash seven times. You'll be fine. And, he, and Naaman does that after a, a little while. And, and he is healed. So, again... Uh, Elisha sees the problem, but not only sees the problem, but God gives him the solution, right. how to fix it. So that's the word of wisdom. If we go to John 20, um, this will be the last two examples. <clears throat> John 20, uh, verse Okay, no, that's not the right one, but I'll summarize it for you, okay? <clears throat> so, Jesus is talking to, um, he's talking to a multitude of people that are tempting him. They've come out to meet him just for the sole purpose of tempting him, right? They're asking him a question about the tribute money, right? And they said, well, if he says that we shouldn't be giving tribute to, to Caesar, you know, then we can accuse him and Rome is going to kill him, Right? So, but Jesus is wiser than that. The Bible says that he perceived their intentions. He did not only know the problem, they were the problem, but then he also knew how to answer. He said, give unto God what is God and give unto Caesar what is Caesar. If we keep reading that portion of scripture, it says that, that he answered them so wisely that they couldn't ask any more questions. And if you keep reading that same uh, part of the, of the Bible, I don't know why I got the, the book wrong, but the, the next part is, is talking to the Sadducees. So if you know anything about the Sadducees, they were, uh, I guess, a, they were a group of people that, that believed in basically everything in the Bible, but the, uh, anything with angels and miracles, resurrection, all of that they didn't believe. Okay? So they picked and chose. Okay? So they, they were very against Jesus because Jesus taught about the resurrection. They were against the Pharisees because the Pharisees believed in miracles and angels and spirits and all of that stuff. So the Sadducees come and say to him, well, about this resurrection thing, you know, and they, they start dialoguing with Jesus and whatnot. And Jesus answers them and he says, well, have you not read the Bible that says that he is the God of Abraham, God of Isaac and God of Jacob, right? He's not the God of the dead, but of the living, right? So you got your whole doctrine wrong, right? So he, he realizes the problem with the Sadducees are just trying to embarrass him or trying to catch him in a word and, and trying to catch him in, 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 a, in a, I guess, in a saying where if he says something wrong, you know, they could accuse him. And Jesus simply answers the, the, the truth, Answers with wisdom, and then it says that his wisdom was so great that people just marveled and were left speechless. It says no man durst, him, durst ask him any more questions after. That means they didn't want to talk about, you know, tough stuff with him because he was going to make them be quiet anyhow. 
So, I'll end with these two personal experiences of the word of wisdom. So we've already talked about the word of knowledge. It's kind of knowing something that God gives us, but then the word of wisdom is what we can do, how we can proceed with that. Um, I was at district conference once. This was Actually, I think this was my first district conference a while ago. And I was so... Um, I was a little burdened that day, and, and I remember going to, to pray, and there was preachers everywhere, so I felt so out of place. <laughs> At that point, like, as a new minister, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're so important. And, you know, my pastor was there, and P Pastor Cox was there, and, and Brother Licto, and everybody, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to find my own spot and just cry out to Jesus, because I really needed God. I was, I needed some, I had some specific prayers and I was asking God for direction and a few different things. And, you know, I was kind of off to myself and, and I remember telling God all of this here in my heart. And a lot of it, I, I, I said it in Spanish. A lot of it, I said it to myself. So now if you don't, if you know anything about distant conferences, um, preachers get with it, right? So when they was praying, it was loud in there. There was songs and everything, and, and I remember I could barely hear myself, but I was just crying out to God, and I remember doing my prayer, pouring out my heart to God. And some of it, like I said, in me, some of it I was actually talking, and, and this man of God comes to me, and he puts his hand on me, and he begins to pray for me. And he recites all of my prayers in order. He says everything exact wording and I'm just like I'm like okay I'm listening Jesus and he not only tells me all of that and gets my attention but then he proceeds to tell me how I'm to walk through this and he gives me direction and wisdom and I knew that was from God because who else can know what's in my heart right but him so God used that brother to just help me, give me a word of wisdom on my situation, on my specific prayers. And my last example, and I promise you Pastor Cox did not pay me to say this. I'm saying this because it was when I first had come here, um, it, was, it was a rough time, right? It was transition, it's always rough. And I remember sitting over by my wife and I hadn't told her. I just kind of kept my feelings to myself. And I was hurting inside. And I remember telling God while pastor's preaching, like he's preaching his guts out and I'm over there in like deep, deep. I'm listening, but I'm also praying like, God, I need help. I need this. God, I don't know how to deal with this. My, I felt kind of defeated and everything. And pastor, like right in the middle of his sermon, he begins to talk to everything that was in my heart. As I'm sitting there and praying, you know, listening to him, every single word that I said to God, pastor repeats to me verbatim. And he answers what I should do. As he's preaching to you. I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool. We got a pretty cool pastor. Uh, <laughs> God can use him to preach to the entire church, but yet God still sees the individual need. And see, that's the word of wisdom. It doesn't only give you the problem, but it then gives you the solution, how to, to, to um, act through it. So right in the moment of preaching, I remember that, and God was like, do you need more signs? 
And I was like, no, I don't. I'll be quiet. <laughs> so those are the, that's what I could, what I could get. Um, I'm sure Pastor has a lot more to say, so I'm going to let him take. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.